0: You are locked on Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, um, guys. I am glad and thrilled. Uh, you guys love the coverage uh, yesterday as much as you did. Um, it ended up being the largest twenty-four hour period in the history of the show of Locked On Browns. Um, and for me and actually all the other guys over, uh, you know, at Locked On NFL, uh, the last two weeks were the strongest two weeks that we've ever put together over uh, at the network. Uh, so, you know, the fact that, you know, you guys all love the draft like you do and as much as you were enjoying it all just means, obviously, guys, like we were talking about last night, means a ton. And obviously the, the continued well wishes going into today, uh, it, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's it's appreciated. Look, we're going to do this anyway. But the fact that the audience just grows and grows and you guys just absolutely enjoy it, enjoy the product we put out. Whether may or not you may agree or not with every decision, you know every take we have, still it's a blast with that. Um, so for your daily delivery of all things dog pound, uh, you know we'll get into your locked on Browns episode here today. Uh, you know guys, always the hands free devices, whether it's in your car or in the house, Alexa, play podcast locked on Browns, have the latest episode brought up to you. And always, you know, don't forget out, uh, don't forget if you're looking for a new app or a new way to find the show, uh, check out the Himalaya podcast app. Uh, what we decided here is, uh, you know, uh, with Pete Smith being in here tonight, we, you know, we're obviously we talked about how we're going to go, you know, some, you know, division specific, but obviously we're going to kick it off with the AFC North. I mean, look, are we kidding? I mean, this is six games of the 16-game slate. So we'll get into Baltimore's draft. We'll get into Pittsburgh's draft. There'll be some laughs with some of these picks, obviously with Cincinnati's as well, for good, for bad, for whatever reasons. Um, but I guess, Pete, we've gotten a ton of this. Um, so what, what, why don't you hear, uh, dig this up here? And uh, obviously people have been asking for the updated... Uh, UDFA list. Um, it, it's weird, Pete, because the one one position we kept emphasizing, it just doesn't seem to be of much interest at all.
1: Yeah. Um, they've only signed, or at least so far, they've only signed one. Uh, UDFA. Uh, well, they haven't even signed him. It's a tryout. Uh, so they aren't even signing him uh, unless he shows well. which is Gary Moore from Minnesota who didn't do anything uh, for them. Uh, Sort of weird to me, uh, but it may be that they're essentially having a tryout for all those guys that are backups. Um, And we can see where they end up. I can't imagine they're satisfied with that group, but they are bringing in to try out anyway and sign two of them, three defensive ends, uh, which to me would be, a hint at Chad Thomas that uh, he better bring it because if they're bringing in this many defensive ends it seems like they're bringing him to push him uh, in particular so that's kind of interesting
0: yeah I know um, but go ahead Pete uh, obviously that we talk uh, you know it came out I think after we got done recording a wide receiver at Austin P with the athletic profile which is pretty disgusting it's a pretty good tape to go along with it
1: right so the list courtesy of uh, dogs by nature they source all their uh, the entire list. Uh, David Bluff, I assume, or whatever, from Purdue, signed. Darren Hall, running back Pittsburgh, signed. That's one I really like. Uh, Trayon Gray, fullback out of Miami, is coming out of uh, – for a tryout, He uh, he's the fullback who had 4'4 four, four speed at 240. <laughs> um, Dorian Baker from Kentucky is signed. Uh, he did not do much uh, at Kentucky in terms of production, but he's a big athletic kid. I remember him at Cleveland Heights High School. Uh, Chris Osei-Kusi from Queens College in Canada. Uh, we gave him a little to...
0: love last night. He actually yeah. found a way to correct the code and to get into the Canadian statistics.
1: Uh, yeah, he had, he's pretty productive. He's coming in for a tryout. Uh, they've got good uniforms. Uh, DJ Montgomery from Austin P. 6 one two, oh, one he's coming in for a tryout. He's got freaky testing, even if you're kind and and say, you know, you want to round down, but he's not far off from Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin was at the combine is a little more reliable, who tested like an absolute freak, and he was he had good production at Austin P. Uh Steven Carlson from Princeton, another tight end. Uh, so Devolve will have, you know, a uh, another Princeton Tiger competing with him. Very productive there. Uh, Maven Saunders, the tight end from Kansas. I, I know him
0: well. The former Seminole. Oh, is he? Yes, he did
1: his last year at Kansas, yes. Yes, didn't very, do much at Kansas. Uh, he's didn't, a tryout guy. Didn't Odell, do much, didn't Odell, do much Odell, in Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah, Odell Miller, he's a big blocking tight end out of Western Michigan. He's in for a tryout. Uh, Another guy I'm really excited about is is Brian finian Ganafo from Idaho State. He's got a very similar athletic profile to uh, the kid. uh,
0: Six-round pick out of Southeast Missouri State.
1: Yeah, Forbes, a little taller, a little more of a, you know, he is a tackle um, where Forbes could could very well be a guard. Uh, Defensively, they're bringing in, uh, goes by Doug Subtil from Arizona State. Uh, for, in for a tryout, he has more of a story than he does production on the field in that he was a Haitian refugee. Um, he's got an NFL body. I, I don't know about athletic testing. Gary Moore we mentioned in for a tryout. Wyatt Ray, the defensive end from Boston College, he, he's uh, very much a pure pass rusher. Uh, What's, great his size? Psych- What's his size? What's his size? He's listed at 6'3", 257.
0: Okay, so it's not like where it's Zach Allen from Boston College where we said there could be a rotational player. He would strictly be an outside guy.
1: Yeah, he's he's just outside. Uh, led the team in sacks this past year. Not great on tackles. Pretty solid on tackles for loss. He's a guy who's going to get in the backfield. Uh, Jarrell Jer- Owens from Oklahoma State. Reasonably productive. Six three two sixty two. He's another edge guy. Uh, linebacker, Diedrich Young. Uh, from Nebraska. Who did not have one player selected this year. For not the first one. time since, like, the 60s. Yeah, which
0: is crazy. I mean, even you know, even as the program's been down for the last decade plus, they've still found a way to get drafted. Uh, and guy they, had three, one guy.
1: Three, they had three guys I deemed draftable that all went undrafted. Uh, nope, yep. So, you know, he's one linebacker. Willie Harvey from Iowa State is another linebacker, very much an undersized guy. I think he's trying to be a special teams guy. He's in for a tryout, 5'11, 226. Uh, Brian Bell from Akron, 6'3, 218 for a tryout, listed as a linebacker. You know, that's a spur slash uh, special teams guy. JT Hassel, as we talked about yesterday, is official uh, from Florida Tech. Uh, athletics uh, data is phenomenal, very productive at both South Dakota State and uh, Florida Tech. Uh, not great on-ball production, but a ton of tackles. At, he should be a guy who's competing for special teams reps and, and, and potential depth as a free safety. Uh, you know, he fits in that in this uh, trend of really, really fast guys that they've been bringing in. Jermaine Ponder, the safety from St. Francis, uh, reasonable production on the ball, but not a whole lot of tackles. Aaron Wade from Utah State, uh, 6'1", 200-pound safety. Uh, there's another guy, John Trell Rockmore from Utah State is coming in for a tryout. I don't know who which scout was hanging out at Utah State, but he brought <laughs> a couple guys back with him. Bo Brooks from Missouri S and T, six two two oh nine is coming in for a tryout. I think they're listing him as a safety, and I think he was like an X or a rush linebacker there because he's got like like twenty two tackles for loss in eleven this past year. Um, and uh, Amani Dennis from Carthage, they're listing him at uh, safety. I think he's a corner. Uh, had a lot of production on the ball there. And then Jonte Pooler, uh, six yeah. foot, 170 170-pound 170 corner from Charleston. Uh, he's coming in for a tryout. He's from Akron. He's one of about three players that I think Charleston had land on NFL teams. The one John Kaminsky was obviously drafted. Uh, and then special teams, uh, kicker Spencer thompson Myers from St. Norbert uh, in for a tryout. Uh, Jamie Gillen uh, from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, Polish hammer, baby. Yeah. He's, he was actually signed, so he's going to compete with Colquitt. And then they they brought in a long snapper from Arizona State, Nick Reinhardt, uh, who's in for a tryout. So that is... All of them, uh, you know. If you're asking me who I'm most excited about, it's Darren Hall, uh, yep. Brian Brian Finney and Ganafo, <laughs> uh, JT Hassel, and then probably Wyatt Ray. I'm kind of very curious to see what this kid out of uh, Austin P looks like because he's got NFL size and, and and measurables. I'm curious if he can because he's only coming in for a tryout. So I I, I wonder if he's the guy who's going to splash and show something. But those. Uh, uh, you're you, you know I think Brian Finney and Ganafo actually has a shot to make the final roster. Uh, I think Darren Hall could be in play if the Browns do were to move on from Duke Johnson. He'd be then competing against Montreal Hilliard, but he's you know a very talented back with size. Even,
0: uh, if, even sp- if Duke stayed though, it would be him versus Hilliard for the first eight games. So I mean, he, he would still have a shot.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh so yeah, th- those guys. I think if shot JT Hassel, I think is a guy who's got a shot as um, to make the final roster. And and again, a lot of these defensive players, and this is goes through the draft, was a big trend. The uh, bread wine, Mac Wilson, um, and the kid from, uh, I think the kid from uh, Tulane. Tulane, I think, at least the first two have a ton of special teams experience. I think the last one does as well and then obviously they took a kicker. So there was a ton of emphasis on special teams and really upgrading that unit. Uh, like Sheldon Redwine I think he had something like four kick blocks uh, this past year or something like that. But again, he's another guy with just world-class speed which, you know, his profile is not great. That may be that may have been something that elevated him up board, the board for them is a real dedication to trying to get better on special teams, and you know that 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 could be good. Um, we'll see how it works out. No, I. You know,
0: but you have to though. And but even here though, any of these kids who were drafted yesterday, and even Greedy Williams, guys, guess what? Even if you haven't played him before, you're going to.
1: But he was a guys in front of you.
0: Yeah, but exactly. But So he might have to do this a little bit this year. And even though he thinks he was a round one guy who went 46 overall, there is a million cornerbacks on this roster right now. So if he is not the starter opposite Denzel Ward week one, which is a good chance he won't be because if he is, you're going to have some disgruntled veterans. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's going to make for interesting, but that's what you want. I mean, you want the best 53 going into every Sunday that you possibly can have.
1: Yeah, um... Yeah, they they, they they desperately want to improve that area of the game. They desperately want to uh, be able to fix that. And and there's a popular clip. I don't remember who the player is. Uh, who you know? They're talking about his passion and his physicality and stuff. And he basically plants uh, plants uh, greedy Williams on a gunner thing. So he does have experience there, obviously with his speed and his length, he's really, really good for that. So I would expect he's going to get reps there, but the rumor with Greedy Williams, and, and again, this could be just a rumor. Uh, so don't kill the messenger is that part of the reason he fell was a concern over an injury um, that has not been confluent. That may be days and days away um, before the Browns met, you know, may, may, Admit that, um, that chances are it won't be till minicamp. Um, if he's not out there, um, then they have to actually explain it. But again, hopefully that's just a rumor because it would really be unfortunate to not have either rookie corner. Because I, I don't think Donnie Nelson's ready to go either, uh, able to go out to potentially have a situation where they're unable to contribute early. But given the fact that they only brought in one corner. Um, and he's on a tryout, I I think they are reasonably confident. Uh, The other note I will make is because a lot of people are talking about Sheldrick Redwine is a potential box guy. Sheldrick Redwine, before he went to safety, was a corner. Um, So I don't think that's too likely to happen. I I, I think that's a 100 coverage move.
0: Well, and that was his strength. BFF had him with a great grade there um greedy williams there's two ways you could look at this could this be his camp saying this is why he fell to 46 or this is why he didn't finish his testing um you know because look some of these guys just say that's it i'm good and hang it up um so it could be that's why he didn't do the testing wink wink or it really could be why he didn't do all the testing um and the thing would be though is he still ran a four three seven so i mean there's a Jugging a lot of balls in that one there, a lot up in the air, guys. iTunes rating reviews, you guys have been phenomenal. Like I said, uh, last twenty-four hour period, been the best in the show's history. Uh, you know, you guys are as more responsible than that than me and Pete are. Look, we're just sitting here every day, just spewing out our takes. So, you know, again, couldn't be more happy. Uh, go ahead, to iTunes, leave a five-star review, leave a uh, leave a five, I'm sorry, five-star rating, leave a written review, and uh, let everybody know, you know, how hard Pete and I have been working, giving you guys here everything to cover you through the twenty nineteen NFL draft. All right, Pete. So here we go. We're gonna jump into the division. We'll kick it off with obviously the Baltimore Ravens, and this is one you know I had talked about when we had did we did it about hit on it about two or three nights before the draft, guys. About guys we did not want to have to deal with within division. Um, one if Baltimore can somehow and look if they're gonna stick with this stupid run the ball and give it to everybody offense and whatever and, you know, mid-early 1980s stuff, it could open up, Pete, some huge, huge, big play-action opportunities for Marquise Brown. They,
1: they are absolutely going to stick with that offense, and certainly... Um, they want to make sure that they are better at it, more efficient with it, and that Lamar Jackson is a better thrower, but they want to play 11-on-11 football, and the addition of Trace McSorley only confirms that. They're basically taking an attitude like Penn State does in how they recruit. They're not going to bring in a quarterback who's who's not mobile, who cannot add that element. And certainly, Lamar Jackson is a different animal in that respect, but they are 100% committed to this. and. You know, from that standpoint, I kind of admire them as I'd like to see how this can work. Uh, but yes, yes, absolutely, and that's the whole point they want with Marquise Brown is they want so much attention on what is going on with Lamar Jackson as a runner and all the fakes they're going to do and and all that stuff that that it's going to create opportunities for them to go down the field and force defenses to make a choice. Are they going to be able to cover him open over the top? Well which may open up running lanes underneath or are they going to, you know, are they going to risk getting beat because they're so worried about the run? Um, You can call this a high school offense. We run it. Um, But, you know, there is absolute viability with this. Now, the only issue with it is whether you're talking high school or college with this type of stuff, you only got to get through, you know, two, three, maybe four years with a guy. Um, when you're talking NFL, you're hopefully getting 10 and that's more problematic, but you know, a lot is on Lamar's plate in this case and his ability to take care of himself. Certainly uh, the offense has to be able to do that. Uh, he's got to, uh, you know, find a way to be dangerous with, uh, as a runner without getting whacked. Um, uh, I, I think if you can sort of embrace what Ru- Russell Wilson does, Uh, while still being aggressive, that can be a really, really devastating offense to deal with. I just don't know, you know, to this point in the NFL, there has never been a team that's really been able to sustain it. Uh, So I do give the Ravens credit from the standpoint of at least they're getting guys, you know, behind Lamar Jackson. that can run trace McSorley is a hundred percent. The type of guy that would run this offense. And, and, and most teams were looking at him as a slot DB and, that's nothing new for Trace McSorley because when he was coming out of high school, a lot of teams were recruiting him as DB. Penn State was one of the few schools that said, this is exactly the type of quarterback we want. The Ravens are now that type of team that that is absolutely looking for that, those type of guys. So it's really fascinating. And the rest of their draft is basically a middle finger to Jeff.
0: No, we'll get to this one. Uh, we'll get to this next one. Jalen Ferguson. Um, look, uh, you know, Pete was absolutely in love. Came away from the Senior Bowl was fascinated. Um, from the co- uh, the combine weigh-in. Uh, well, I mean, guess the Senior Bowl weigh-ins. He wasn't allowed to go to the combine because apparently, when he was 18 years old, he got in a confrontation at McDonald's at two o'clock in the morning, and threw a punch. So, whatever, I mean, that's that's whatever. I mean, that's you know, compared to what we're dealing with with some of these guys in the NFL. That is minute, for God's sakes. So we got no fight in college. Between the Senior Bowl and his pro day, he showed up 15 to 16 pounds heavier. Uh, most of the testing was okay and put up a three-cone that was just, you know, I, I, you know, you, you joked a lot of times last year about Auden Did he did he finish his 40 yet. I'm not sure if Jalen Ferguson has finished that three-cone drill yet.
1: No, and I expect he, he did some retesting for teams, but... You know, if you if you're if you're saying his agility is terrible and his hips are bad, he still fits exactly what the Ravens want. Uh, they are a more of an attack forward power team. And then Jalen Ferguson's a guy who knows how to use his hands. Uh, you know, they aren't looking for him to bend the edge. They want guys there to take up space, really collapse down in the running game, uh, take away some some lanes from that standpoint. The only guys they really have that are potentially uh, guys who can can bend the edge a little bit are guys like Matt Judon, and then uh, the linebacker they took a couple years ago that should be uh, stepping up in a big way this year if he's going to hit, which is... What's his face? Ty- Tyus Bowser. Yep. He's, he's that guy that's supposed to be hit. But, like, if you look at... Jalen Ferguson, he's a lot like a guy like I loved last year in Zach Sealer, uh, those type of guys. They they want to collapse uh, the pocket, give give really limit the where running room is, and and try to keep guys inside uh, and just crush onto them. So, you know, this may or may not work, but in the third round. The, the the type of defense they run, I think this is a great team, a great home for him to land. I, I you know, it, it, there are a lot of teams are like the stuff with Dallas. I think that had the potential to be a disaster because they want guys who can, you know, get around a little bit more. The Ravens don't give a shit. They're going to go right at you, and they're going to say who's who's going to win this, or with strength and hand use, and that is absolutely the best chance Jalen Ferguson has.
0: Uh, yeah, and look, and obviously, you know, it's going to be where you know Jalen Ferguson will be better off where he is not expected to be the man. If he is part of the group, you should see a nice little return on investment. And you know, obviously, he probably just pass rushing opportunities to start as a third round pick. I'm not sure they're penciling him in to be a starter out the gate. Uh, but you know, look, I mean, you, you can you cannot lie. He—he he walks out of college football. Being the person who had the most sex out of the entire history of the game, so that's got to account for something at the end of the day. Uh, then Pete, obviously, you know, a guy you kind of grew fond of, but it's gonna, you know, obviously, there's gonna. This is where it's gonna be tough for Miles Boykin. He needs work, but is he going Pete to the right offensive system where he's gonna get that, or is it just gonna be kind of similar what Notre Dame did with him?
1: Um, it's a good fit in the terms that Miles Boykin is a dick is a blocker he will crack down and he can take a dude out um and if you're gonna run that type of offense you know this is an x this is the guy this type of guy you want in there now in terms of the other stuff it remains to be seen he's got to become a better route runner but he is a guy who can fight for balls and traffic the question is do he and lamar jackson really fit each other that I'm not sure of. Uh, if you can get him open on some drag routes and you get get him going where he's got space to run, he's dangerous. Like he takes a drag route, and on that, you know, you can get shades of of Josh Gordon from that standpoint. Uh, he's just so big, strong, and fast that if he has a clean area to work in, he's a problem. Now, can he? Can he create space consistently in the NFL? Athletically, he should be able to. But technically, he's had some issues from that standpoint. He's got to get a lot better. But, again, if you're looking at this from, you know, they've got a million tight ends, obviously. They they need guys who are going to block and be physical in that running game. Now they've got a receiver who can line up out wide and be physical in that running game. That, I think, is job one for him. And the rest is going to be interesting. He can be... A guy who could potentially move the chains and make plays, but again, his first job—and I, I, I don't know if the Ravens told him this when he walked in the door—but <laughs> that is, I can tell you, that is absolutely reality for him. Is you know, you're going to be doing a ton of blocking for them.
0: Um, well, look, but the other thing is, he's got a great opportunity for playing time here. Um, look, uh, you know, obviously Willie Sneed was the only receiver on the roster worth that, uh, you know, worth even mentioning. Um, but look, you can't. Really, single cover Hollywood Brown because of his, you know, as long as the the foot is fine, you can't cover him because the electric speed he has. Uh, Willie Sneed can, you know, do some things from the slot, a little nasty that way. You've got all these tight ends. I, I don't know how you're going to put two guys on Miles Boykin with the size that he has and the fact in the athletic profile. Uh, just, I just, I don't want to see them play this offense. I just don't think it's going to end well for Lamar. But I also think nothing's going to stop them from doing it. Uh, so, obviously, they had a first in, you know, Hollywood Brown, they uh, the two twos in, J- I'm sorry, the two threes in Jalen Ferguson and Miles Boykin. We get to the fourth round here, and this is where the trend just seemed to continue, guys, where the AFC North loved my guys. Um, you, obviously, you figure Alex Collins' career with the Ravens is probably over. Uh, you sign Mark Ingram. You bring in a guy in Justice Hill. Who can do a little bit of everything and tested Pete pretty well. Can receive out of the backfield, maybe a Duke Johnson light type of guy. So screens because they're probably not going to run traditional pass routes for him. But Justin Hill out of Okie State.
1: Yeah, that's 100 percent what he's going to do. Uh, they've got him and Tyler Irvin that are type that type of guy.
0: Uh, and well oh, I'm sorry, the other kid, uh, Gus Edwards. I should I probably should not forget to mention him too.
1: Yeah, so they have they have a bunch of big backs. They have Gus Edwards at 238. Kenneth Dixon at two twenty eight, uh, and, and 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 Mark Ingram who is two fifteen. Uh, yeah, he
0: ain't two fifteen, but God.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they've got a kid named Delance Turner at two fourteen. You know, other than Tyler Irvin, who's you know five ten, and that might be really generous at one eighty five. Justice Hill is that dude, and I, you know he's got more talent than Tyler Irvin does. He just does. Oh yeah. So you're going to, a, you're going to get him in space and let him be a changeup, and, and B you're going to throw him the ball out of the backfield. Uh, That is a big part of what they do. But I mean, if you, you have a guy like Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon and Mark Ingram that are hopefully going to pound and pound and pound and soften things up for them. You know, Lamar Jackson, you know, I'm sure a big focus of this off season has been, you know, putting more armor on him, but realistically, Justice Hill's going to be the smallest guy in that backfield, uh, and and they're hopefully going to create space. and And don't be surprised if you see some situations where they've got two and three backs in the backfield, and they do some things that the Browns did last year. That type of look to create opportunities. And and if Justice Hill can pick it up and and do those things, don't be surprised to see him end up in in, in areas of the field like with the slot, but. Yeah,
0: copycat league, man, copycat league.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 just an opportunity to get more speed on the field. Certainly, Justice Hill has that, uh, and and with Lamar Jackson, who's quite fast, it becomes a really interesting. Uh, and obviously, he got, and,
0: he, and he got Hollywood. So I mean, he, he, I mean, there's just so many guys out there running sub four four. It's hard to account for them all.
1: Yeah, they they have set themselves up, and you know we'll see how it works. But they've set themselves up, that, so they've got a different a lot of different ways they can sort of build their offense and, and let things happen. And they've still got you know Patrick Ricard, who's a three hundred eleven pound fullback because he's a defensive tackle on the other side of the ball. So they can do some really interesting things with this group to see. Uh, it, it, you know, this will be one of the most fascinating training camps slash preseason to really see how much more they they sort of invest in this offense and how many more unorthodox relative to the NFL looks they get.
0: Um, Well, and, you know, obviously we'll see, you know, how many teams are going to maybe, you know, uh, obviously do what the Chargers did, Uh, you know, where it was like, all right, well, enough of this. We're just going to match athlete for athlete. Also, Baltimore is going to play New England this year, so it'll always be fun to see how Bill Belichick uh, would uh, attack this approach. Uh, I guess what Oklahoma had, what, four out of five? Lineman drafted, Ben Powers, guard out of Oklahoma, goes there. And, guys, you know the drill with Oklahoma. These guys are big, I mean, just big, beaten-up dudes, but they have enough agility where you can run an offense where you're putting up 60 a week.
1: Yeah, uh, I think four is right. Uh, Certainly the left tackle did. Uh, Ben Powers, Drew Samia definitely did. Uh, I think he went to the Bears. Uh, Ben Powers is interesting, but he's another – like, look, I mean, the Ravens – they have had some significant losses on the offensive line for various reasons. A lot of it has been due to injury, uh, and they just need more dudes. They need to find more guys that can plug in and play because their offensive line has sort of uh, fallen apart a little bit the last couple of years. Uh, Marshall Yanda is you know they're, they're 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 stalwart and they're pro, but he's missed some time recently. Yep. Uh, they have uh, obviously the Ronnie Stanley who. I don't think he's that great, but he's certainly never, gets never, rated he, that way.
0: He's never lived up to it.
1: You've got Orlando Brown, which we'll see if that lasts uh, to, uh, this year with teams getting more looks at him. But they've got a lot of some some various guys uh, of, that have size and athleticism, but it remains to be seen if they can really live up to it. But they've got a lot of bodies in there. Uh, the guy that I really like that they brought in last year uh, unfortunately, suffered an injury. Jermaine Illuminor from uh, Texas A&M. He's an enormous, athletic guy, uh, but they've got a lot of bodies. It's going to be competitive. I don't think he's guaranteed to roster spot, even the fourth round. But that—that that is certainly the atmosphere they want to create to find the best, you know, nine, ten guys they can.
0: Well, if, I mean, if you're going to play the way they're, yeah, obviously, you know, their game plan is, you know, it's, you know, some of these teams is like, look, whatever, whoever our sixth, seventh offensive lineman is, let's pray he doesn't have to play. But, you know, if they're going to you know keep this focus on the run and the run-heavy schemes, you're going to have to be strong in the offensive line position. Um, if you guys remember, uh, we we did an episode right before Pete was, you know, taking off to go down to Mobile for the senior bowl. I gave Pete two names I wanted him to look at down in, uh, down in Mobile. Um, They were former five-star recruits, big, big big-time recruits, huge recruits. Never really worked out in the collegiate level for them. One was Byron Cowart, I believe. Went to the Patriots, if I remember correctly. The other was cornerback out of USC, Amon Marshall. And as it worked out this draft season, the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth round with pick 127. Drafted, Amon Marshall, Pete.
1: It remains to be seen where they're going to put him, uh, but he's got a really good combination of size, speed, and then production, uh, largely from his sophomore year. But it's good. Uh, you know, he's a really big body, and it, it's you know he could be a guy that ultimately ends up at safety. He could be a big-bodied corner. Uh, he may be a guy that's ultimately there to try to deal with tight ends a little bit because he is a big body who can run and, and turn and do those things. So. You know the the Ravens have a really talented defensive backfield as it is uh, with their uh, the acquisition of Earl Thomas. They've got uh, Tony Jefferson. They've got uh, uh, Tavon Young, who's a really nice slot receiver for you know corner. smaller guys. Or, yeah, corner. Uh, they've got Marlon Humphrey, who's who's been really good for them, and then they've still got. You know the off problematic, but obviously quite talented, uh, super tall cornerback in, in Jimmy uh, Smith. Jimmy Smith. So they've got now they've got another guy with a different body type that can sort of do some different things. Uh, it, it just allows them to play a lot of different matchups. And when you've got a guy like a Martin Marshall who's like six one and two hundred pounds, you know that that gives them you know a lot of options. And they brought in. You know, I don't expect him to do much there, but Stanley John-Baptiste is sort of in that mold. <laughs> they've got So they've got a lot of bodies. Cyrus Jones, another slot guy who can do some punt returning stuff. They've still got Brandon Carr. This may be, you know, he may I, may or may not make the team. But, again, just adding more bodies, allowing them to do for different things. And, and, honestly, this may be ripping off the Chargers a little bit, that they want to be able to have a guy who can cover, However, uh, because they lost so much a linebacker uh, that they're going to basically go the other way and just put more DBs on the field and and you know, because they really didn't do much uh, to sort of fix the linebacker situation. They didn't draft one at all. So this seems like the other way to go which is to go more nickel and dime and just have a ton of DBs. And Amon Marshall has the size enough where he can be credible as a run defender and it's a slot or something along those lines. Uh, But it really seems like with C.J. Mosley gone that they're basically like, okay, we'll just go with a lot of DBs.
0: And, look, you know, just go athleticism on athleticism. I mean, sometimes maybe just, the, you know, differ your approach, obviously. And, uh, you know, obviously with Harbaugh, he's going to have to do a couple of different things here because there were points where he was going to leave and they're staying. But it doesn't mean the relationship is perfect. I mean, you know, it's to the point now where, you know, th- they want more and they want success, and we'll see how it's going to work out. Um, their last pick was obviously Trace McSorley, who we spent some time on. But uh, we'll, we'll get this one in here because this, is, th- this was probably a really good selection for them as well. Uh, Dalen Mack, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. He did the Shrine Game, and he, he was one of the guys that graduated from Shrine to ser- Senior Bowl, if I remember correctly. Correct?
1: I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he had and a, he,
0: he had a nice draft run.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic. He's one of the best nose tackles in in, in the draft class. Uh, they have they still have Brandon Williams, uh, and they love these big body guys inside. Uh, you know they ha- they again. It, it goes along the lines of what we were talking about with Jalen Ferguson. They are not trying to finesse you. They are trying to be very powerful inside and drive guys off the ball. And this is another guy who fits in that you. He's a guy who's going to contribute. I think as a rookie and, and play a pretty meaningful role. Ravens are pretty good about rotating their defensive line in general, but. You know, he's a guy who's trying to move the line of scrimmage, and he's been really successful at that. He's been productive. He's got athletic traits of a big, you know, and a successful big guy. And the Ravens have been good with this. But obviously, Brandon Williams from Missouri Southern State uh, was a really athletic big guy. They've got Willie Henry, who's maybe the smallest dude they have at 291, and they've still got Chris Wormley. Uh, so they've got a lot of these humongous bodies they can try to control the line of scrimmage and they may not have much in the way of linebackers they may have more in terms of dbs but if you can control the line of scrimmage that makes it so what you do have can fly around and make plays i think because they don't have much in terms of linebacker they basically said well we've got to own the line of scrimmage and keep guys off the second and in this case third level and do the best they can there and i think uh, I think Dalen Mack is a really good player to do that, and continues uh, that, that what the, what has become a tradition for them of just getting enormous cloggers that can that aren't likely to get much in terms of pass rush. Although Dalen Mack is not awful at it, he he has produced in that regard. But they're there to own the line of scrimmage and open things up for blitzers and those type of things. Yeah,
0: uh, you no, know, and it, look, I mean for you know, Ravens, you know and. This is the way it's. They're going to continue to play the hard, physical approach. Um, and as we mentioned, Trace McSorley goes in there in really good shot to be the backup. Obviously, where he's capable to run the ball 10 to 12 times a game. Uh, you know, obviously, he probably doesn't have the speed Lamar Jackson has, but gives you some of the same element. And you know, we had talked about this last night with Tyree Jackson going to Buffalo. Uh, try to find somebody who compliments your quarterback. Obviously, you want your QB1 to start week in, week out, but you do not want a tremendous drop-off, and hopefully you can at least try to do some of the same things in the playbook week in, week out, even if you do lose your guy. Remember, guys, to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya Podcast app. In an ever-expanding exchanging podcast, uh, expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally play, uh, curated playlists, and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns. Pete, that will take us to the Cincinnati Bengals. And he, uh, there's times where it's like, all right, that's not a bad pick. And then there's times like, I don't know what you're doing here. And just, uh, but, I mean, that's Cincinnati Bengals in a nutshell. Obviously, pick, uh, pick 11, Jonah Williams, We'll see where he ends up playing, where they start him at, where he ends up at. Um, Obviously, we spent a lot of time on Jonah the player. Good player. I just don't know if you see putting him on an island left tackle. We, we've gone over this.
1: <laughs> I'm genuinely fascinated to know what the Bengals plan on doing. Um, because They would like
0: to know what their plan is. Doing.
1: <laughs> well, because they, they, they obviously paid Bobby Hart. They've got Cordy Glenn, which they acquired in a trade before. And now they've got Jonah Williams. So is the plan to now put Gord, Cordy Glenn inside as a guard? Are they going to put Bobby Hart inside as a guard, or is Jonah Williams going to end up inside as a guard? Or that's is Bobby Hart
0: going to get seven million dollars just for being there?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's you know, is he actually going to play? Um, Jonah Williams, you know, I'm sure he'll be fine. Is he going to block Miles Garrett? No. No one's going to block Miles Garrett, so that part doesn't even matter. But that is a that is a real issue for them. Is is you're taking a guy eleventh overall, and he's still not going to deal with the biggest problem they face twice a year. That's really tough. And and
0: thirteen pressures in the first contest.
1: Thirteen. So you're you're basically you know, and that's that's the question. And I know this isn't it's not fair to look at this way, but you know, when I've talked to Charles Bentley, he said this is the job. You know, when you're evaluating offensive tackles, can they block Von... And the, the example he was using was Von Miller. That was a couple of years ago. Miles Garrett was in the league yet. But you're still asking, can he block Miles Garrett? And if the answer is no, that's kind of a problem with the pick. So maybe Jonah Williams will do better than I think he will, but he got his ass kicked by cleveland Farrell. So we'll see and how that goes.
0: Our boy from Georgia uh, gave our boy from Georgia all he can handle, too.
1: Yeah, DeAndre Walker worked him over quite a bit, too. Uh, you know, their draft in, in, large part is like, it's like shotgun, a shotgun shot with pellets. Uh, they're all over the place. Some of the picks are really good and some of them are nowhere near where you wanted to go. Drew sample in the second round from a body type, from an athletic standpoint, I totally understand it. I wish he had more production. You watch this dude run around at his size. You, you can talk yourself into some shit. Um, it. In some ways, it makes a lot of sense. In one way, you know, Tyler Eifert's not a Y. He's going to be more of a receiving threat. Tyler Croft is more but of a even receiving threat. But, but,
0: but even with Eifert, I mean, you know, if you get him, that's great. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's there, but you literally cannot count on him for anything.
1: Right. Drew Sample is more of a true Y, in the same way that uh, the other kid they got, uh, CJ Uzoma, oh, yeah. is, is another big Y. So... You know, and this is was interesting that a couple teams are doing this, but the Bengals have been a team that really, really likes to invest in tight ends. They've had a lot of success with that position, so maybe they know something that we don't with him. I, I think it was rich to take him that early. I, I, I understand the potential there, but I, there's not enough there for me to back it up. But it, it could work out really well. But he is an athletic guy, and you allow him to work up the seam, he can cause problems and. Between that and Azuma and Tyler Croft, that could really open some, up some possibilities for A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. And they've got a lot of weapons. So I, I sort of understand it. Again, it's it's a lot like I, I felt with Sione Takitaki. I thought they could have gotten him later than they did. Ultimately, it's a question of did you get a good player? I think Drew Sample could be fine. I just don't know if he's going to be as good as they're hoping he is.
0: Yeah, uh, second-round pick. Uh, you're talking 52 overall. Yeah, I don't know if he – I'll be stunned if he ever you know, meets where he was drafted. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, this is a guy we really liked. Um, testing didn't go as well, but we liked him, obviously, the obviously former safety at North Carolina State. Uh, doesn't miss very many tackles. Uh, obviously has coverage experience and coverage ability. Uh, only thing was you wish you tested a little better, but, I mean, Pete, this is a team – I mean, the two games we watched last year, and Baker literally—Baker looked like a ten-year veteran, just toying. These linebackers with play action. At least they got somebody to start and get somewhat of a better, better unit. And the other thing is, Jermaine Pratt's going to give you a lot more effort than uh, Mister Perfect who's you know now off to Oakland. And thank God for Cincinnati for that, because that's a headache they no longer needed.
1: So, on one hand, Jermaine Pratt is really good at what he does. On the other hand, the thing he doesn't do well is the thing that the Bengals linebackers haven't done well for the better part of 15 years. He doesn't cover very well, but he is a very good box player. Uh, could be a Mike backer. Could be an outside linebacker. Could be that Sam backer. Um, he's a very reliable tackler. The, the you know I, I, He's a guy who's going to contribute. Is he going to be... You know, a great linebacker, I I don't know, but he does have a great profile. He's outstanding in terms of the production, he has it, athleticism, he has it. So I think he'll be a really solid player. What I find interesting about this pick is I think they're expecting and really hoping they're going to get more, you know, in year two out of Malik Jefferson, who has a ton of potential. Uh, They sort of need to start seeing it. Uh, be, a guy
0: who needed to be playing last year in what was a lost season. but
1: Right. So they've got those two and they've got Nick Vigil. I think that can be a solid group uh, if they want those three on the field at the same time. But I still do come back with the question of what, who are they going to cover. I think they will be really effective. They can be really effective in terms of running around and stopping the run. But... You know, you know they really need to get coached up in terms of covering because that's a team that's got massacred for it, and certainly, you know Baker Mayfield put that on display, and I really like Jermaine Pratt. I just don't know if that part of it's getting solved.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they had zero, they had zero answer, and not even no, not even for David Najoku, but for obviously, the playmaker who has now, obviously, moved his career on out of Cincinnati. We'll miss you, Mr. Phelps. We'll miss the memory. Pete, we begged, screamed, you needed, if you brought in Zach Taylor and this is the route you want to go, you really, really get him his next guy. They didn't agree with us. Obviously, Dwayne Haskins staring at the face of 11. They went a different route. Uh, Ryan Finley in round four, Pete.
1: Yeah, this feels like um, a compromise pick. Um, we got
0: you a quarterback, but here.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Todd McShay loves Ryan Finley. I don't get it. Like, I, I understand he's very smart. He really understands what he's looking at in coverages. I just think he's more killing more than he is. Uh, it seems like
0: every one of these big analysts they talk about the big quarterbacks, and then like they almost have like a silent auction draft where it's like it's like him, it's Mel, maybe a Daniel Jeremiah. And it's like, all right, well, you know, and they, they draw straws. Oh, man, I'm the guy. I'm the Daniel Jones guy. Oh, I'm the Ryan Finley guy. Oh, I mean, everybody gets stuck with one crap quarterback they're going to try to prop up. And it definitely seemed like, you know, McShay ended up with Ryan Finley.
1: Right. So if you're going based off college, Ryan Finley was absolutely better than Daniel Jones. I don't think Ryan Finley has more viability in the NFL. But then again, I don't think Daniel Jones is any good either. So... If you're going to take a shitty quarterback, I suppose the fourth round is better than the first round. Again, at
0: Dave Gettleman. At Dave Gettleman Next time, Pete, come on.
1: Again, I, I I don't think Brian Finley has quite enough arm for the NFL. And like Mel Kuyper, when they took him, was like talking about how your arm could get stronger in the NFL. That's never where you <laughs> start. That is the biggest myth. Uh, well, I mean, it can. It's just after Tommy it's really, John surgery. Really hard. It's really difficult. Um, and generally, if you don't have it going in, you're in for a really difficult time, as as Deshaun Watson's, you know, finding out, uh, you know, throwing a lot of interceptions. I, I, what it does is it forces you to be earlier and anticipate better. You have very little room for error when you don't have as much arm. I think that's the problem with a guy like Ryan Finley. I think he's absolutely smart enough. I just don't know if he can, you know. I, It it just puts so much pressure on, which is exactly what happened with Kellen Moore. Uh, You know, he just didn't have the arm. He he could see it. He knew exactly what the right answer was. He just couldn't get there fast enough. I think Ryan Finley. uh, Mark my words, Ryan Finley will absolutely dominate in preseason. I'll say that he will absolutely light things up. People, he he'll be going against guys who are, you know, more fresh out of college, guys who aren't as good in coverage. All I think the, he will absolutely crush it.
0: Uh, all the makings of a week four darling where you, oh, Ryan Finley, 23-27 for 275 yards.
1: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's exactly what will happen. I think he will dominate against guys who aren't going to be in the league, and then when he ultimately does get on the field – and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope he's good for for his sake. But I I, I just think he's going to go from guy who's just stud the preseason to guy who can't do it in the NFL, and people are going to have a difficult time figuring out what the deal is. And it's going to come down to arm strength and just how much faster and better players are at that level. But do not be surprised. I you know people talk him up in Bengals practices too and say, "Wow, look at this guy. He just knows where to go with the football." But you you may get some of that, and you also may get some of, I don't know if his arm's good enough, or it's going to be, I don't know if his arm's good enough, but look how fast he's able to operate and stuff like that. So that's my prediction with Ryan Finley. Uh, so we'll see if that ultimately ends up right. I, he's a nice backup. I don't think he has an NFL future. I think he's a guy who would have crushed in the AAF, but rip, rip AAF.
0: Yeah, and, well, and look, and the other thing is, look, Jeff Driscoll, I mean, wasn't great but the kid handled his own last year i mean so i mean i don't even know where finley's gonna fit in all this um it would obviously depend on zach taylor but i mean jeff driscoll battled he
1: battled <laughs> Bengals fans hate jeff driscoll basically their their contention is after he uh came out and looked okay against the bronze and everything else after that was garbage so that a lot of them are very excited about ryan finley or at least uh interested to see what he can do
0: Oh, of course that's the way it works. Uh, then they close it out in the fourth round with a fantastic selection of a defensive tackle out of Arizona State University, friend of Lockdown Browns. Uh Renel Ren. Um look guys, I, if you listen to the episode, you know Rennell said, look, you know at times he wasn't in, you know what he thought was the best opportunity for himself, you know with the way they were playing him. Put definitely put onus on himself that, you know, he needed to change and he needed to change going in his last year there. Put together a really solid combine. Um, we'll go in here as a rotational defensive uh, defensive line player. Me, I'm a fan. Pete, we know. We know. It wasn't one of your guys. That's all right. That's all right. So we'll just scoot right past Mr. Rennell Ren and, look, wish him all the How best. How dare you?
1: I actually think this is a good fit for the Bengals. So uh, do I. Uh, because they do have frontline line guys, uh, and he is going to have to earn everything he gets, which could be really good for him. Uh, you know, they, they – you know they've got some from the really, things
0: from the things he said on the show. Yeah, this is the opportunity because look, here it is. You said you need to put more of an onus on it. Here you go. You yeah, want it, go some, get it.
1: They've got some really talented defensive tackles. Obviously, you know it's Geno Atkins' show, and and everybody's just you know there to watch. But they've got guys like Andrew Billings, uh, which is you know when he's healthy, he's a monster. So from that standpoint, you know if. If Ronell Wren can come in and sort of earn it and really, you know, stay motivated and stay effective, he becomes become part of a rotation now if he can do that. But, you know, I, I think if you're taking Ronell Wren, really you, you're hoping he's a good depth player. You're not, I don't think you're looking at this. I, I mean, it's certainly you can look at his athletic traits and say he's got starting athletic traits and he does but you know because of his lack of production it may limit him to being a a, a very nice depth player which is exactly what the bengals need for him to be uh, and if he can do that they're going to be happy with what they get yeah, and
0: I've seen the Bengals with had four fourth round selections. Uh final one obviously, you know, for all you home uh, Ohio State guys. Uh, Michael Jordan uh interior play, interior offensive line player. Um but now here another one added. Obviously, you know, look, if you're Cincinnati uh, it was a huge problem. It was a disastrous problem. You need as many bodies and you know, you ho- you need 8 or 9 because the injuries were piling up. And, I mean, obviously you hope for your starting five-star every week. It's just not realistic. Uh, but you know, Michael Jordan at least brings a nice athletic profile with him, Pete.
1: Uh, he's okay. Um, <laughs> it, the, the, you know, it, it, again, center has the least correlative effect when it comes to athletic traits. And first and foremost, he's coming in to fight to be Billy Price's backup, 100%. If he can also be a valuable uh, backup guard. Then you're going to be happy with him. Uh, you know that's what you're getting here. Backup center, and hopefully a guy can prove himself useful at guard. Um, obviously, he's very, very big uh, in terms of height—six-five uh, and change, three ten. Um, not a lot of centers are like that. Uh, so you've got to be able to get low. That's going to be a battle uh, in camp. Is fighting to you know against guy like wren and making sure you're not getting you know forklifted into the backfield because you're unable to get uh, you know that leverage. Uh, I'm dubious of his ability to play guard, but you know that's again they don't need him to be a starter. They need him to be depth. If he if he can prove valuable enough, uh, that's fine. But again, if you're if you're looking at Michael Jordan to be a backup center, uh, you know I think he's he's going to give you exactly what you're hoping for.
0: And you know, and that's the point where they're at. But I mean, after last year, and just as pitiful as that offensive line was, you need just need strength in numbers, and let them battle it out all the way up until Labor Day weekend, and just figure it out. But you've got to improve, and look, Andy Dalton isn't getting any younger, and he's starting to take a lot of hits, and he's getting injured, and obviously, you know, I don't know if Driscoll's not the answer. Uh, obviously, Ryan Finley's not the answer. So if the best bet for Cincinnati is keeping Andy Dalton clean and hopefully getting 16 weeks out of Andy Dalton. Uh, Double-dipped in the sixth round on running backs, Pete. Uh, Travion Williams out of Texas A&M. Interesting player. Rodney Anderson uh, would have been interesting, uh, but obviously Rodney Anderson with the ACL injury really, really early in the eighteen season. I'm not sure how much you could get him in 19. Maybe he a guy you get for the second half, but who knows where he's actually going to be. But, you know, you need more than just Joe Mixon. And, you know, Gio Bernard, you know, nice player for his time, but here's a guy who's got a bundle of injuries in his NFL career. So they add Williams, they add Rodney Anderson in round six.
1: Yeah. Um, Rodney Anderson's career is just really unfortunate uh, because he's had a neck injury He's had a knee injury, and then he broke his leg. Um, you know, it's just terrible luck for him, uh, for a really talented player. Uh, you know, obviously the one year at Oklahoma is basically his his shining moment, uh, and everybody thought he was he was, every, be the,
0: he was everybody's number one running back coming into the yeah, season.
1: Not only that, he was a, a guy who people thought was going to be the favorite for Heisman, uh, you know, with, Until- with that— uh, you know, and obviously they were basically looking him to carry Kyler Murray more than Kyler Murray carry him. and ultimately Kyler Murray goes okay. out and does what he does and carries everybody in the country. Yeah, um, Trevion Williams is very good on tape. Um, his athleticism was okay. I thought his agility would have been a hell of a lot better than it tested. And then, if you go by, you know, Jim Coburn, he points out the very, very weird statistic about arm length for running backs that Trevion Williams fails, and that basically the only running backs with super short arms to succeed in the NFL are guys with blazing speed, uh, like Chris Johnson. So, you know, I, I love his tape. I think he's an interesting player. Again, both guys are competition. Uh, and hoping you're going to get lightning in a bottle in terms of their health, that they can contribute. Um, it's not what I would have done, but I guess I understand the you approach.
0: Yeah, I, you, know, you go that route. And I did like the seven-round selection, because I know I had talked to him a little bit, but uh, Jordan Brown out of South Dakota State. Um, if it wasn't South Dakota State, I, I think you're talking about a guy who could have went a round or two earlier, Pete. The size was there, the athleticism was there. Uh, pretty good tape. Uh, obviously, you saw him down in Mobile. Uh, maybe South Dakota State hurt him a little bit. but And actually, this is a school now that's kind of on the map over the last few years where there's the players coming out consistently. He was nice, he was nice value in, day, in round seven.
1: Right. So South Dakota State obviously has had a little pipeline going. Uh, they had the tight end come out last year. They went to the Eagles. Um, the Browns signed an undirected free agent that started his career. Initially, at South Dakota State and JT Hassel. Um. Yeah, Jordan Brown's fine. I mean, the 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 bigger issue is if you're Jordan Brown, is you're sitting there going, "I got to go to the damn Bengals," and that's not because the Bengals are a bad football team. It's because the one thing they have is corner, a
0: bunch of cornerbacks.
1: Yeah, so it's basically saying, "Can you do enough to crack that lineup?" And in the event he doesn't make that team, he will get scooped up. I, I expect, I, you know, I think somebody will grab him. But you know, if you're you're, you're picked in the draft, you're basically you know, th- this is why some people refer to be an undrafted free agent is, you know, Jordan Brown. You know, obviously you want to be drafted because of what that means and what that entails. But you probably aren't thrilled to be drafted by the Bengals just because of the competition there. But, you know, this may really help him develop quicker because going can to fight for everything. Uh, or he may end up getting a lot of reps because the Bengals sort of let some of these other guys sort of, uh you know, not do as many reps in practice or preseason like William Jackson the third, he's good. They they know that. They don't need to, you know, prove it. They've got guys like uh Dark the Lenard that needs to do more. Drake Kirkpatrick is a pretty good player. They may want to use these reps to get other guys uh, reps to see who's gonna win and, and then from that standpoint it could be a good situation for Jordan Brown. They might get more exposure, especially in preseason and stuff. But uh, he's a guy who I think has NFL talent and may end up uh, ultimately playing, You know, being on somebody's 53-man roster. It just may not be the Bengals by the end of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, a tough spot where he's at, and that will be a guy that will get scooped up in a second. There's no way you're going to be able to stash him on a practice squad, uh, the size, the athletic profile. Um, it, it, they could be in a spot where he, you know he could ball out in the summer, and they're going to be forced with some tough decisions to make. Look, they have corners. They could move if... I mean, if you're not going to be that successful, you might as well save some money, I guess. So it'll be interesting how that all plays out. Uh, We'll go over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, obviously we talked about the Ravens, who love some of our guys. We talked about Cincinnati Bengals, who love my guy, Ronell Wren. Pete, if there wasn't a bigger slap in the locked-on Browns face draft-wise than the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know. Uh, Look, Devin Bush at 10. Um, I had mentioned, you know, uh, I, I had known going into Thursday night that, you know, him and his camp, they felt 10 was his floor. Uh, I was notified, you know, probably later in the afternoon. This is probably before I was making my way home, so 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. 10 is his floor, even if it isn't Denver. And obviously, Pete. This we we had gone on, on this. We had this probably two months ago, and we paid players at that point that we did not want going to rivals here. But uh, Devin Bush to Pittsburgh. I mean, this is look great player, great selection for them. Uh, I don't think it's going to help with the fact that you know I don't know how they're going to cover Odell Najoku and everybody else. But uh, he's a, he's a presence and he's going to make a boatload of freaking tackles for that defense.
1: So, yeah, I mean, Devin Bush couldn't have gone to a much better situation because of the line that Pittsburgh has. They've got a bunch of guys who can soak up blocks and, and – and, Keep them clean. And force teams to block them. Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt are very good. Uh, they've got the – Javon Hargrave who's who's gotten pretty good himself. Uh, and Devin Bush is, you know, for his sake, likely to be kept clean and let, fly around and make plays. Um now the, the the flip side of that is they also he has to because they gave up a lot to go get him. Um, no doubt. And you know they are expecting a lot out of him. And you know by some reports he was literally their number one player on their board. Uh, so they went up and got the top guy. They have a lot invested in him, and certainly I, I think Bush is up to the task. Uh, so they they get their best. They get their number one target player. He fits the the biggest need they have so much so that they cut John Bostick on on day three of the draft. Yep. Uh, and you know they're gonna he's gonna walk into the starting lineup next to Vince Williams. And you know they are looking at this and saying we've addressed the biggest issue on their defense uh, and and are substantially better for it.
0: Yeah, and then now this one here, Pete. I don't know if this is you know was saving a little face. Because of the fact that you paid a very, very high tax, and that's fine. Going from twenty to twenty in the first, twenty to ten in the first round is—it's it, going to cost you. Uh, but Deontay Johnson, obviously, you spoke a lot about the t- Toledo group, and they're trying to sell it as—you know—here was a guy they felt had first-round value. I—I I, I, I guess if you want to go that route, but pick sixty-six out of Toledo wide receiver Deontay Johnson.
1: So the people who love him are trying to make him an Antonio Brown uh I think he's more Richard Higgins uh, which you know both players can contribute, both players can be effective. Uh, he's very productive, his athleticism is relatively average, which is eerily identical to uh, Richard Higgins in my view maybe Antonio Brown's close the same way uh, but he's very slippery he understands how to run routes, he understands how to create space and he put up ridiculous production at Toledo, which, you know, Richard Higgins did the same thing at uh, Colorado State, which is why I had those two very similar. Uh, I did not have any idea that he could go this early. Uh, that part fascinates me. I'm yep. curious to see what their plan with him is. People are it's talking almost, about almost,
0: almost similar to Taki Taki.
1: Yeah, uh, I people are talking about him as a slot receiver. I don't see it. I think he's more of an outside guy. But, you know, well, I I mean, realistically, you could probably play him anywhere. I just don't think – just saying, well, he's a slack guy and that's where he's going to be because that's a lot of what Juju Smith-Schuster does. Uh, So I think he's more of an outside guy, somebody who could get open and move the chains for them and, you know, potentially be a yards-after-catch threat. But he sort of – in some ways you can say that, like – Deontay Johnson is like a sixth grader playing against fifth graders. Like he sort of understands a little more about the game than those guys do, even if he's not physically blessed, you know, to be that much bigger and stronger than them. He just, he's a little bit ahead of everybody. And we'll see if that catches up with him against NFL DBs. I That's why I think he's a lot more Rashard Higgins. Now, having said that, Unlike Richard, you know, Richard Higgins went to a team with bad quarterback play initially. Deontay Johnson is obviously going yep. to a team with uh, you know better quarterback play. Even if Ben Roethlisberger had his I think worst year of his career last year, but got thirty seven million more. <laughs> yeah, they they you know he, if if you get open, Roethlisberger can find you. So Deontay Johnson may may be a guy who can come in and contribute really early. At the very least, he's going to get a shot to compete and make plays early. Uh, you know, I don't love the pick. I I understand the argument for it, but I think they could have done better there.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be interesting. It'll be how it works out, and look, but... You almost have faith in this point that it will work out because Pittsburghs be able to been able to run these guys out. Um, but look, him, obviously he's going to have to do some things. James Washington didn't have the rookie year that we've come to expect from some of these Pittsburgh Steelers. But a lot will be on James Washington's shoulders, which means in terms that a lot are going to be on Deontay uh, Johnson's shoulders as well. Um, everybody knows Juju is the man now. So, I mean, these guys, there's going to be opportunities. Can they step up? Can they make the plays when they are, you know, their number's called? We'll see how that works out. And this is where, obviously, guys, this is where it got to the uh, big middle finger to me personally. Uh, Justin Lane, first things first, that he went 83rd overall. It, it just stuns, absolutely stuns me. I think he walks into Pittsburgh, and he is the best cornerback in the facility. And then, Pete, to make things be- make things worse, uh, I got to go to bed. Got to go through my Saturday morning to coaching two soccer games, all that good stuff. And then they'd go ahead and just drop back. Benny Snell right across my face. Um, look, uh, Benny, Swell, Benny Snell, I know the guys, the, the testing was not where it was to, what you know was hoping to be, but I mean, just straight line. He, he, he runs violently. He will get the yards that's given to him. Uh, you know, may not be, ever be anybody's number one, but he will be a solid part of any running back committee. And just, I mean, and the other thing I love about Benny Snell is the guy just has a ton of fun playing the game. So Pete, obviously, you know our boys Lane, Benny Snell, and we're going to get to see him, and we're going to see him a lot.
1: Right. So I think Justin Lane is, uh, the, unless something has come out that has explained this, I still don't get it. I still think he's the best corner in this draft, uh, and of course, he ends up on the Steelers because it always works out for the Steelers. I do. <laughs> I, I think he literally walks in and he's the best corner on their team. Uh, but I will be curious to see. Uh, maybe you know teams viewed him as not quite ready yet in terms of where he needs to be as a development guy. He well, if, he,
0: if he's not ready, Odell, Odell, will let us know whether or not he's ready or not.
1: Yeah, he fits exactly what the Steelers want to do. They're a zone-based team, which is what Justin Lane does really well. He's physical. He's got length. It's just everything they want in a corner. Uh, so i would be fascinated to watch that. Benny Snell, like you know, his athletic testing isn't great, but you don't need. To have you know, fantastic elite athleticism at tailback, you just need to have like one attribute that's good enough, and then production is far more indicative of success. Benny Snell has you know world class production, and he's got one attribute that is good enough uh, to qualify. So he's not Miles Sanders in terms of his athleticism. He's not you know Nick Chubb in terms of his athleticism, but he is enough. And it certainly as a second back behind James Conner, I, I think he can do far more than, than you know, be a slow guy. I think he can be a guy who really contributes who really ups that rotation. He's smart, uh, competitive. I, you know, I think the, the, the Steelers get a player that can help them. It's, you know... He may not walk in and be a star, but I think he's absolutely going to be a contributor and somebody who can be a pain in the ass. And and if, you know, you get into a situation where Jim Conner goes down for a game or something, I would not be surprised for Benny Snell to go off for 100-something yards and help them win. I think he's more than good enough to do that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I liked about Benny. I thought he would have been perfect, and he would have been per- – well, of course, this would have been in the scenario where Duke was – moved on from, and you're going to need somebody to help you through these first eight games. And, you know, obviously, you know, that would really only left Nick, Browns-wise, as your only, you know, guy. So you needed somebody that could at least do what Nick does. You're not trying to, you know, we we had established, you know, they they were moving on from where Duke was in the pecking order of this offense because it was only going to have Nick rise more. So you needed to find somebody that could maybe be the caddy more to Nick Chubb, obviously, than to Duke, Duke Johnson. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We're going to see Benny a lot. There's just no way around that. Uh, Pete, you know, then obviously day three pick Zach Gentry, Sutton Smith out of Northern Illinois, um, Isaiah Bugs, uh, Ulysses sees Gilbert, and uh, Derwin Gray tackle out of Maryland.
1: Zach Gentry is a replacement for Jesse James. He's an enormous ta- uh, tight end. He's Big there, block, and if you Big get dude. anything else out of it. <laughs> Yeah, he's like six seven, two sixty or something like that. Uh, he's a good. I, I, he's a
0: good buffet away from a possible offensive tackle candidate.
1: So I think he's there to block. I think if you get much more out of him, you'd be, I'd be surprised. Sutton Smith, um, he fits what the Steelers want to do. Uh, he's you know productive, athletic. You know, undersized. I think special teams is where he's going to contribute initially. And if you can get more out of him than that, uh, you're going to be thrilled. Isaiah Bugs, I don't think he's any good. Um, I don't And and any- guys and
0: here here's something else with Isaiah Bugs guys. Um everybody got so upset with the fact that you know we weren't so thrilled that they took a guy from Alabama in round 5. Here's Isaiah Bugs, the guy from Alabama in round 6. Just because they went to Alabama does not mean they are going to be good NFL players. It's stop with that nonsense.
1: If anything the draft confirmed what I what what I had been saying for much of the draft class, draft process. It
0: was Quinny Williams and everybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, and everybody else didn't get drafted until the 4th round, I think. Uh, you know, Christian Miller went the 4th round, Mac Wilson went the 5th round. Deontay Thompson Pets, went late. Yeah, like none of those guys got drafted anywhere. Uh, Quentin Williams was, you know, the 3rd pick overall. And Jonah Williams, obviously, other side of the ball, but went eleventh. Um, and the, some of the other offensive linemen got drafted. It is all about next year for Alabama, and and it doesn't mean anything. But you know, there's one prospect list and one mock draft that had Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama, going two. Um, that's sort of the level of expectation that is there.
0: But they also and then they have Rugs, who's even who's a little bit less of a receiver, but is faster. I mean, it's you know. We talked about this, how Nick, once they went to Tua, they kind of just said, you know what, we've run the ball, played good defense for years. You know what, screw it. Let's go a different route. I want to throw 70 points on a board a week. Get me the guys to do that, and that's basically where Alabama is now.
1: Right. So Ulysses Gilbert, you know, this is another guy. You know, him and Sutton Smith absolutely fit what the Steelers like. They like undersized guys who fly around and do shit. Uh, Ulysses Gilbert uh, made a bunch of plays, especially as a junior. Had really great production. Uh, did a little bit of everything for Akron. Certainly uh, had a defensive coordinator scheme up quite a bit for him in that scenario with Chuck Amato, Uh and he was, you know, he, he delivered. I, I, you know, I think he's going to be a guy predominantly initially on special teams, but you know, he understands how to play the game and, and could end up being a steal. This was when I knew Pittsburgh was really, really uh, sticking it to me because not only did they take guys on my board but they actually went to my school to get a guy uh <laughs> derwin gray doesn't do much for me but whatever he's another you know depth offensive lineman in seventh round so it's fine
0: yeah so and, and guys and we had joked on this last night but uh yeah uh you know obviously the afc north was listening to a ton of locked on browns draft coverage um maybe just not john dorsey that's all right buddy boy that's okay uh you, you did some nice work up until the draft. So let's see how it all plays out. Uh, guys, this has already run a little long here. Um, most of the questions got addressed here in this way. A lot of it was on UDFA. Uh, but, you know, we are, for me, it's here in New Jersey. It's time for the kids and Mrs. L to go back to school as spring break is over. And they are headed back to school tomorrow. Me, I'm just headed back to what is my everyday life. Pete, I don't Anything we missed? Anything we missed?
1: The only question I would answer that I saw briefly on the timeline is, you know, the guy, the undrafted free agent most likely to make the team, uh, I'm, it's Brian Finney and Ganafo, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think he has a really, really good shot to make the team given his athletic traits. Uh, you know, certainly it's not a guarantee or anything, but I, and personally, I cannot wait to see him and Drew Forbes play. Hopefully, at left tackle and left guard. Uh, in practice, and then the preseason, because those are big athletic guys that will get tested by some fantastic football players, and then in the preseason they could just be road grading assholes that just drive people into the ground, which is exactly what you want.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'm still going to go with Hall from Pittsburgh because I just think there's that that opening eight game window, and look, you know, some of this could be because I I, I just believe they're not going to have Duke here, but even still, I think Hall could beat out Hilliard, and like I said, there's You need somebody to do some of the stuff Nick does, not so much somebody that does some of the stuff that Duke does because you have guys that you can put in the slot and do those things. But, look, I'd still love Duke Johnson to stay because, as we've mentioned a bunch of times, guys, he was never a problem here. So now that this team is a good product, he should get to be part of it. (laughs) So we've already lost enough guys who were good soldiers, but ended up moving on from. Let's not lose any more of those, guys. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound Unlocked on Lockdown Browns. Uh, guys, Pete's work over at uh, NFL Spin Zone. Obviously, you still get stuff over there. Uh, make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, to our good buddy uh, Lane Adams over at the OBR. Uh, thanks for the push last night. Appreciate it. Uh, Follow our count crew. Anybody here for the first time, guys, thank you so much and hope you're enjoying it uh, day in, day out. You're gonna get it. Look, maybe we might take a, a a couple more breaks here, you know, as we get into the spring. But um, unlike last year, where a lot of stuff went on with me, we took a little bit of a hiatus at this time of year. No, the excitement is here. The the want to do this and get good info out every day is here. Uh, you know, you know, after we finished with the draft coverage and we have a good stuff you know coming over you know over the next few days as we analyze things we'll try to sprinkle in some new stuff and we'll get to that and maybe some stuff you know sometimes we're just me and peter busting each other's chops which you guys seem to like as well that's fine the locked on browns twitter account uh, guys, follow-back account. Obviously, that took a huge bump as well. Uh, as you know, it's always follow back. so anything you need. And if you're not a big Twitter person, just send me a DM over there. I have no problem answering any questions over there. I Trust me, I know how Twitter can get, and the pain in the ass it can be sometimes. Me, personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, like I said, iTunes rating reviews uh, the Himalaya podcast app. Obviously, you know if you're looking for something different or a new app for your podcasting podcast listening, check out Himalaya. Uh, so that is it. It, it. Like I said, it's DDD. It's been your daily delivery of all things dog pound L G B on the L O B. Let's go Browns.